My guest co-host for today is my old buddy and a regular here on CXO Talk, Dion Hinchcliffe. Dion, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Michael. Uh, thanks for having me on again. And uh, today's uh, we have a very special guest indeed. And um, I've look, been looking forward to this uh, for a long time. Um, we've got uh, Tony Joyce, Deputy CIO, Naval Facilities Engineering Command of the U.S. Navy. Um, we're going to talk about uh, all sorts of things. We do, we do a lot of public sector here on CXO Talk, but I think uh, this is uh, probably the first military guest, right? Uh, so it'll be interesting to hear, hear the, the, the stories and how IT works in that world. Yeah. So, Tony Joyce, how are you? Uh, tell us about NAVFAC and tell us about the Navy and your role. NAVFAC is probably best uh, thought of uh, when you look at all the buildings. Uh, the shore infrastructure is really the uh, secret buzzword for what NAVFAC does. Uh, the buildings, of course, the planning, land acquisition, and everything else associated with that. Environmental activities on the shore, uh, cleanup or uh, remediation ranges and things like that are also part of our mission. The whole public works function for the buildings uh, the, that the Navy owns. There are over two, uh, sorry, I think it's uh, two um, million acres and well over 100,000 uh, uh, buildings and uh, structures of interest on the shore that we manage or uh, support in various ways. Of course, the construction of that over the last uh, uh, roughly 125 years has been handled by NAFAC or its predecessor uh, organization. Uh, we also are the uh, parent organization for the CBs, and of course, they have a long and legendary history uh, behind them. And does NAVTAC, uh, uh, does that supply, do you guys supply IT for, for all of those facilities and those uh, uh, in the CBs? Uh, so we do have uh, systems that support uh, the utilities management, utilities metering, utilities monitoring, energy uh, management, uh, some newer stuff that's associated with um, smart grids and, and uh, things like that. So a lot of IoT in that infrastructure. Uh, can't forget the buildings and the HVAC controls, um, some monitoring systems for environmental uh, purposes, various other things that uh, are part of that industrial uh, control environment uh, that surrounds the building. And again, as the technical authority for the shore infrastructure, it is our primary mission or one of our missions, I mean, we have several missions, but for cybersecurity purposes, making sure all of those controls and that building systems are effectively isolated, managed, updated, supported. Is this a global uh, facility management uh, mission? Or, uh, is, is, does the sun never set on, on NAVPAC, or how does that work? Uh, yeah, we are a glo global organization. Uh, our, of course, our... Our mission is associated with where the Navy has activities, and the Navy has about 100 uh, bases. And so we have well over 100 delivery points of where we have um, large organizations and small. Some cases, uh, we have you know, three or four or five-man offices uh, where new construction is being done in foreign countries. But in other cases, um, Norfolk area, we have a substantial presence. Uh, Washington area, we have a variety of uh, activities. And so it's a large and diverse community. Overall, there are about 20,000 plus people in NAFAC. Uh, and 
in particular for what um, my role in the organization is, is the information and business systems of the organization. One of my colleagues is the manager of the um, cyber, well, sorry, of the industrial control uh, environment and the systems that are going into those buildings or that, that um, are necessary to secure them. And I have a different colleague who is responsible for our cyber securing activities themselves as an authorizing official for that. So you pr provide the business systems and uh, includes the digital workplace for those 20,000 folks? Um, the digital workplace uh, that we use is the Navy's Navy Marine Corps intranet, which is a very large network, uh, approximately half a million seats scared uh, across uh, the United States uh, covering the Navy and Marine Corps. Um, approximately 100,000, I think, Marine Corps, so the majority, 300,000, 400,000, are, are Navy seats. Of course, NAFAC doesn't own that. The whole um, system is an outsourced contract, rather, system is not the right term. It's a services contract that provides us with our desktops. And our desktops are um, fully managed under that construct, are secured, uh, are appropriately um, uh, detailed. Uh, one of the things that my, one of my teams does in my organization is ensure that we have the desktop software that people need and uh, ensure that it's adequately tested and secured and uh, suitable uh, for use on the desktops within this environment. When you think about the cloud, how do you how do you how do you grapple with that concept? How do you think about migrating to the command? What do you migrate? How? What about the training? I mean, you're dealing with a lot of people, and that's a there's a lot of complexity. And I don't think people I don't think most of us. Uh, watching recognize that kind of complexity. So, so shed some light on that for us, would you? Well, we see the cloud as being easier to manage and easier to run. I think the cloud services that we get, uh, if you will, um, platform as a service or you know, software as a service is generally better integrated and more effective than uh, some of the traditional uh, services that are heavily client server based, which is probably the majority of our technology. Although we have a mainframe, uh, sorry, IBM mainframe that's running one of our major financial uh, uh, supporting uh, applications, a, a project management tool. Uh, we have externally hosted systems at other data centers uh, that are there for various uh, historical or other reasons. Uh, so collectively, sorry, um, when one looks at the architecture of our, our system, we have a rather complex uh, as-is environment because there are several technology stacks that, that uh, um, support these applications. Again, we've been at this for a while. Uh, we did essentially a consolidation of a variety of regional systems and uh, individual environments into our enterprise data center 
in roughly the 2010 timeframe or a bit before, and have been running a centrally hosted, you know, centrally maintained um, set of systems and services uh, out of our our uh, specialty center that does that. Tony, did you have uh, when you when you came up with the idea initially of moving some of your applications to the cloud. And I realized that for you, uh, 1,500 internal users plus a bunch of contractors is a relatively small pilot. Did you, did you have resistance internally to the cloud? What were the considerations for that? There isn't per se resistance to the cloud. The difficulties I think we have in getting to the cloud is really the securing of the systems and the services. Uh, as part of DOD, we're, we are subject to DOD's uh, information uh, assurance uh, controls and requirements. Cybersecurity is the, the more slightly more modern term for that. Um, but there are hundreds of controls that, that we must um, assess and uh, in many cases test in order to ensure that these systems are suitably protected, secured, you know, operational. I mean, they, they cover a whole, whole bunch of different areas, so it's not purely for security, but it is the experience of many years of uh, evaluation of different pieces of the software and the different components of our system. And so the, the implementation of systems within that regime turns out to be pretty hard. Uh, securing, uh, say, the database. Uh, we, we use Oracle. We sorry, install the software, apply the patches, you know, do the stigs. And by the time you get through all of that, um, turns out that uh, various functions may not work as expected. And so there is a lot of effort and engineering uh, involved in getting these systems to operate properly within this secured environment. Kind of, I think brings up uh, some, you're describing a, a complicated environment that I think most people in, in private sector IT couldn't begin to imagine. I think probably your bar for cybersecurity is, is, is far higher. You've got systems of systems, so you, you know, and, and clearly you know, uh, are doubling down on the industrial internet and that IoT. Um, you're trying to do this in a, in a very, in a kind of rarefied environment. What can you tell us about uh, you know, what's unique about NavFAC IT that we wouldn't expect, we wouldn't necessarily think about or have to experience in, in private sector IT? Well, I think what is unique about, about our IT is that, that our, our diverse systems, which are really several different uh, technology stacks and different applications are functioning well together. Uh, we have people that are using, you know, our financial management system one one morning, and then going into our project management tools, going into our contracting tools, going into reporting tools, uh, moving over to a GIS, and we have managed to both, you know, build all these systems and make sure they are working within the secure environment, but also make the information available so I can link over from. Um, my reporting tool back to some of the financial record 
source records or documentation that might be necessary. Information sharing has always been one of the, the, the big desires in government information systems. But, you know, as you as you well know, the security challenges you have in, in that information sharing makes that difficult. Um, you know, is that something that you, that you face? Is that is something unique about compartmentalization and other things that are common in the, the public sector environment, but we wouldn't necessarily see elsewhere? Yes, it is. It is. And uh, it's actually rather difficult to achieve because our, our desktops in particular are uh, uh, secured, fortified. The whole NMCI environment is, is um, heavily secured. I can't install software on my system, so I have to use only tested software. Uh, but then the ability of my desktop, say, to connect to a reporting tool is, is purely through a web browser. I can't use DDE or OB, you know, CD type or other sorts of data connections that people have come to rely on. So trying to use some desktop software to access a database is not permissible or possible within this environment because of the intense security. How do you balance the the need to have a, a good user experience in such a locked down environment? Is that is user experience a concern, or, or where does the, where does that fit? Uh, user experience is a concern, um, and with. A, all of our systems as part of our, our um, production process. We, we, have, we have multiple environments for our, for our systems. And so we have a development environment where there is a lot of uh, freedom to, to set this stuff up. But as we move through a promotion process, uh, we go through from development to a testing environment, which is very close to what our production environment is. And we go through user acceptance testing in that environment to ensure that uh, the system does what the user wants it to do. And it's not until that we have accomplished most of that testing. I mean, no testing is perfect, but until we have satisfied the user criteria and the user testing um, that have been required for, for a particular system change. It's not until that occurs successfully that we allow the software into production. And so we have this pipeline built and we work our, our systems, a majority of our systems through it. Our mainframe is a little bit different, a little different constraints. One of the external systems does things a bit differently. And so there are some variations. But for the 20-some business systems that we support uh, out of our hosting center on a regular basis, we go through this for all of those um, systems and, and their routine change management, production, promotion, development. So the user dimension of this is mostly focused on, I don't want to put words in your mouth, mostly focused on ensuring the right functionality layered with the right security, essentially. Well, it's, it's, it's ensuring the, the, the right functionality works within a secured 
environment. Um, the right security is actually something that is probably more evident in documentation. It's something that we are doing um, more documentation and more elaboration on in the course of preparing for audits of our financially relevant systems. Uh, we have seven systems that have been deemed financially relevant that provide um, transactional or critical um, property uh, accounts to the financial, um, the actual accounting systems. And as part of the Navy's assessment of um, the balance sheet, which is being reviewed by independent auditors, there is a set of requirements that are imposed on us to describe and document and test our financially relevant systems to meet a series of the FISCAM uh, required controls and standards uh, for these systems. Love to talk about yeah, the whole governance and model for, for that must be something to behold. Um, so the hot topic, as you know, in our industry right now is this whole conversation around digital transformation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously you're isolated from some of the pressures that, uh, that other organizations are, um, you know, you've, you've got a mandate and you own that mission. Um, what can you tell us about how, you know, are you guys embarking a similar kind of parallel uh, uh, public sector version of digital transformation? What are your goals and plans that you can tell us about? How's that process going? I'm not sure we have gotten to that stage yet. We are, we are certainly looking at it. And uh, the Navy um, logistics community has stood up an effort to look at that uh, throughout the logistics community. But it's a bit early. We haven't gotten into any actual uh, attempts at transformation. Uh, where we have been the last couple of years and probably will be the next two years is um, data center consolidation and, again, moving or preparing our operations in order to move into a cloud environment or even multiple cloud environments because we don't necessarily see that uh, a single cloud environment will suffice or as we go through competition uh, as part of our contracting uh, efforts, we may find ourselves in multiple cloud environments as a result of a competitive. Uh, well, and, and I think that shifting to the cloud is, is uh, you know, certainly a, a first step in, in, in some kind of digital transformation. But, you know, we see organizations doing really one of two things, focusing much more on getting access to the data and improving analytics and starting to foray into things like artificial intelligence, whether or not you believe that's a real, a real term or not, um, uh, or on customer experience. And you were talking a little bit about usability. Uh, are those areas of interest? Is, are you guys are you maturing those focus? Or are you still really working on service delivery as your, as, as your primary mission? A lot of our effort currently is in the analytics space. And so we are working um, on building out our reporting environment, uh, enterprise information. Uh, we are in the process of building logical data warehouse uh, 
that will um, permit again um, the the analysis of data across a variety of different fields. So financial information is one of our stacks. Our property and geospatial information is another stack. Um, the utilities and energy consumption and related uh, activities. And then um, a range of budgetary uh, and financial information, uh, particularly labor and other types of uh, service information uh, are all kind of separate operational data sets or operational data stores. And so we've embarked on an effort to tie those all together into what really isn't logical data warehouse as opposed to some of the more um, traditional um, data warehouses uh, of Bill Lemon or um, other um, forms, if I might. So logical is, is probably not particularly well understood. And so it is cutting edge. Uh, and a fair amount of work to bring all these data sources into um, this construct and make them um, make the analysis uh, effective and efficient. This isn't really a big data environment, which I think some people go to, which is just a data lake, throw everything in or you know, put it on, right. a, on a cloud system. That is something that, that perhaps has uh, uh, some usefulness here, but we don't have an opportunity to build that within our hosted environment. And it may require us to get into the cloud in order to use a data lake type of you know, non-structured environment uh, in order to do this analytics more efficiently and more effectively. So we haven't really, I think, quite come to, to terms with um, the digital transformation that, that, that uh, I think some of the leaders are getting to we're, we're not that fast or uh... we have a question from twitter which is arsalan khan is asking how useful or not has been the dod af the dod architecture framework for navfac culture so i guess it's a question it's a, a question about the link between an architectural framework a technical framework and the organizational culture. How do is there a uh, link yes. there? Well, DODAP is a big deal in, in certain in certain circles in the DC area for sure. Yes, the DOD architectural framework. Uh, we have we are required to to assess our, our business systems uh, against the business enterprise architecture, which is a large portion of the DODAP uh, framework. Uh, I am not sure how that really relates to culture. I have found that culture is more um, the behavior of the organization as opposed to a particular static construct. One of the things that uh, I think NAFAC 
has and serves well in terms of culture. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the CBs are part of our uh, uh, community and the CB motto, motto of can do, I think permeates the rest of the business. So we have um, built the system and manage our IT, I think equally effectively. We have found a way or find ways to do things. So in presented with a particular requirement, we managed to buckle up and get the work done. I think the culture, again, is what you do, not what it looks like or how you put it down on paper. Tony, I'd be curious to know, you know, we, we talked about uh, the digital transformation of IT and moving to the cloud and, and building on analytics. Um, but really the hard part is, is, is changing the people. Um, and how are you attracting the next generation of IT talent? I mean, you, you have some mission critical things that you, you guys oversee. Um, you know, you, and the, you, certainly on the cybersecurity side, you're gonna be facing some of the smartest people in the world who are gonna be trying to do their best to, to compromise the work that you do. Um, how do you step up for that? How do you attract that, that talent? Well, we are uh, hiring cyber talent as fast as we can. And in fact, uh, I think they're two positions open currently. Um, our positions are, are available out on uh, USA Jobs. And specifically, if somebody goes to the NAFAC homepage, uh, Mill, uh, you'll find links there to our, um, uh, to our job section, job announcement, and that'll take you over to uh, the USA Jobs, which is the actual record of uh, of all jobs. Uh, but it's it's hard. It's a challenge. How are you guys competing with the Amazons and Facebooks, or soaking up you know, a lot of the best talent in the world right now? Well, I'm not sure that uh, it's a level playing field because the government doesn't have the ability to offer the salary that the uh, Amazons and the Facebooks have. You have a more important mission, uh, you know, and this is why a lot of people go into public services, not because of the pay, but because they think that they're defending, you know, what's good and what's right or, uh, or helping people or whatever it is. The public service is definitely a, a attractive component, uh, as is the mission, um, depending upon where people are, uh, we may not be competing in the same regions as as uh, Amazon and uh, others, and so that may provide us some leeway. We have uh, uh, per perhaps some uh, less uh, populated cities or less expensive cities than uh, Silicon Valley where we're hosted, so uh, we do have some opportunities for that. Uh, we actually, I think, have... Um, a lot of uh, opportunity for uh, younger people. Uh, I know we have, uh, have an intern program. We have an ability to um, encourage and get people, I think, coming out of school into the government. And uh, I, there's a lot of interest in um, working in that, uh, that space in order to, uh, to capture people, sorry, to get them interested early. Uh, and some of this important uh, type of stuff. Certainly, you know, cybersecurity is being taught in school and bringing folks right out of school into our environment is, uh, I think, an easy path into the government to help um, people learn because we got plenty of work to do.
uh, one of the things that that is, I think, the selling point is I got a hundred thousand buildings we got to secure. It's going to take us a long time to get there, so it's uh, semi-permanent work if people are interested in uh, in pursuing it. But it's a that, that's not the only point. We have a variety of things going on, and as I said, uh, you know, we can bring people in on our data center, our operations. Our support of our systems um, on the cybersecurity. So it's it's not just cybersecurity. What are kind of the the key challenge IT related, technology related challenges that you see coming down the down the pike? One of the challenges is certainly uh, the data management and analytics, uh, making that easier. Uh, making ad hoc querying uh, effective. Um, the whole, sorry, arena of unstructured data and unstructured data management uh, uh, also is key because a large part of uh, what we do and a lot of our data is captured inside contract documents or um, various reports, financial documents and such. And uh, even in this day and age, the government exists largely off of paper. Uh, a large part of the auditing is to ensure that uh, the business uh, processes also have the key supporting documentation. So as part of the uh, independent um, audit team, they've been going out and looking for you know, documentation about the building that may be 20 or 30 or 40 years old to determine that the air conditioning system was a pro properly acquired or the building was properly uh, constructed or things like this. And so there is, a, I think, an awful lot of opportunity in finally getting um, data out of the paper, which I'm still not too sure that I've seen too many successful technologies that do it because most of them require uh, manual metadata collection. So how do we automate that metadata? How do we make, uh, you discover the patterns between different types of documents. If I can pull a document out of the file, is that a maintenance manual? Is that a contract? Is that uh, something else? What advice would you have for corporate managers that uh, are, 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 are heading in that direction of, of large global organization uh, getting their analytics house in order uh, as as they grow, uh, and you know, embarking on on it, things like Internet of Things initiatives. One of the things we need to focus on, and we hadn't really uh, uh, talked about that as a technology, is mobile, because all of this stuff is not really sitting on my desktop anymore. How do we get it out in the field on mobile devices, people's phones, and so on? Uh, there are certainly user issues about how do you handle large volumes of paper on little tiny iPhone screens. Uh, so one of the things that we are doing is, is you know, looking at that environment and looking at what our requirements are. Uh, how do we get different tools, better tools? How do we mobile enable our systems? So I think for the managers, um, there's a need to to orient a bit further out. What, what is a purely mobile environment going to look like 
And how is that going to affect the sorts of services, really the back office services that I as a yeah, yeah mobile is a really big challenge. Are you guys heading in a mobile first direction, uh, or uh, is that uh, is that how important it is for you? I guess you got, you have a lot of field people. That's correct. Yeah, we've got about five thousand field people out of our twenty thousand plus uh, population, and so uh, they are not well served with uh, with desktop machines. And so that's an area we're putting a lot of attention in um, supporting them and providing them. And sorry, back to our, our question about uh, hiring and bringing people in. Uh, mobile, too, would be an area that we had hoped to uh, bring people in to help us with. That's a definite growth area um, throughout the government. And many organizations are behind mobility, for, in, for sure. So, uh, well, that's correct. We're looking at we're looking to get rid of our mobile, I mean, our mainframes because uh, the expense is just uh, outrageous. So, how do we uh, transform our financial system? Is actually uh, something that's coming up in the very near future. We have one final question. This is from. Uh, Naomi Williams, who is on not on Twitter, but she's on the live stream platform. And very quickly, because we're it's because we're almost out of time. What are your thoughts on replacing Microsoft Office on desktops and using Google Suite for government instead? It's something that we have to contemplate. Again, we are um, under federal acquisition regulations, and our ability to maintain a particular environment or go to a particular sole source or single source, sorry, is limited. So we always have to think about uh, adaptability. We can't let ourselves get locked into technology too deeply because in our acquisition world, we may not be able to get it. So every time we go out for a collection of services and particularly on the large scale ones, uh, there is a high chance that somebody may be coming in. The, the person, sorry, the next contractor in the NGEN, Navy's uh, NGEN uh, recompetition, uh, could well bring in uh, a different office suite. And all of a sudden we find ourselves with uh, 20,000 users that we have to uh, help adapt. That is a part of life in the government and a part of the business that... Uh, we as government managers uh, have to rely on. So I think industry is perhaps a little spoiled in that they can keep going by an office uh, forever if they choose to do so. The government is not nearly so lucky. And so it does present some challenges to, uh, to us. And so in conclusion, if I may, um, one of the, one of the, probably better parts uh, of uh, working in the government for those who are interested in doing so is that there is no lack of challenges in our day-to-day -day job. Uh, it doesn't run out. Uh, we never have enough money. We never have enough time. We face the competition, uh, the competitive system and outcomes that we you know, can't expect. We're heavily leveraged with outsourced contractors or with services from uh, other organizations. And so um, it is an interesting intellectual challenge and it keeps us busy. All right. And on that note, we are out of time. You have been watching episode number 260 of CXO Talk. We've been speaking with Tony Joyce, who is the deputy 
CIO of the Naval Facilities Engineering Command. And my illustrious guest co-host today has been Dion Hinchcliffe. So Dion, this has been a, a very interesting and in-depth conversation about a sector of the world that we don't all always hear about. Uh, absolutely. No, it's, uh, and it shows, this shows how varied the world of IT can be. And I think that uh, you know, more cross-pollination should happen between I think, uh, commercial sector and, uh, and public sector IT. Uh, we'll have to learn from each other. So uh, thank, uh, thank you, Tony, for, for all sharing all of your, your knowledge with us today. Oh, thank you both. Glad to help. Everybody. Uh, we have two shows next week. Tune in on Tuesday and on Friday next week. And go to cxotalk.com and you can see our upcoming episodes. Thanks so much and have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>